Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. This week's guest is Andrew Conley. Andrew is a Senior Director Global Product for Ultra Running, a company based in Denver, Colorado. At Ultra Running, he leads design, development, merchandising, and other areas worldwide. He has led respective brands to become global leaders in their markets and has extensive experience in this industry. He has also served as the director of product at well-known running shoe company Hoka One One and has also worked at another very well-known running shoe company, Saucony. You'll also hear from his daughter, Anna, in today's podcast. And also really looking forward to learning more about his climb up the ladder. And I hope you gain a lot from it. Greetings, everyone. And thank you so very much for coming in, uh, to this podcast today on the Holding a Ladder in Sport Leadership. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Rice, and I am really excited to uh, have as a guest today, Andrew Conley. Um, Andrew and I uh, have not spoken in 20 years, uh, but he is a guy who's gone off on and done such incredible things in his uh, career. And we are looking forward to uh, having a great conversation today. So Andrew, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. And you, did you want me to kind of go through what I'd say? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, basically, uh, biggest thing. Uh, just tell tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, first off, thanks thanks for having me on. Uh, for having me on today, uh, excited to be here, and obviously, nice to reconnect. Um, so yeah, so I, I grew up in a town about ten miles north of Boston called Wakefield. Uh, I grew up there. I had uh, two parents. Uh, I was the oldest of three. And uh, I guess from a very young age, you know, sort of gravitated uh, towards sports. My dad was um, a little league coach, youth soccer coach. Uh, he was one of those dads that was was always always around the sports scene, and certainly uh, you know gave us a little nudge in that direction. Um, played all kinds of sports growing up, but but at at a young age, I would say you know 10, 11, 12, basketball was was kind of it for me. Um, you know, grew up in the sort of the era of Jordan, caught the end of Bird, the start of Jordan. Um, and it was a really easy time to fall in love with, um, as Michael Jordan likes to say, the game of basketball. Um, and was fortunate to grow up surrounded by, by people who shared that passion. Um, you know, we just was outdoors all the time as a kid playing pickup basketball. Here comes my daughter down the stairs. <laughs> no problem. This won't happen in the real record. <laughs> it's completely and, fine. <laughs> and then from a young age, I had a really good coaching too. So, you know, we, we, um, we formed teams. We were very competitive throughout junior high school, uh, played competitively in high school. My, my high school team was the same group of kids who started, um, you know, playing together at a very young age. Our last year, we ended up winning the state championship going 25 and 0. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be the only person from that team to, to play in college. We had a, a bunch of good players, but for whatever reason, um, you know, just worked out for me to have an opportunity uh, to play at Williams. Uh, had a wonderful four years there. Um, that's obviously where where met Tim. And then, um, you know, afterwards, I, I would say in my early twenties, had a little bit of a 
a stutter step in terms of, of what was next for me. I, I think I, I'd grown up, um, you know, in a place and kind of a culture where we're, like I said, sports meant, sports meant a lot. Uh, my coaches had meant a lot to me. My teachers had meant a lot to me. And I think, I think I came out of college thinking coaching and teaching would be probably where I ended up. Um, you know, I felt like I'd got some coaching experiences. I had grown up, um, you know, was still very passionate about basketball. And so I, I was a teacher for a number of, of years right after college. And then just for whatever reason, I wasn't quite ready to commit to that path. Maybe it was because I was still relatively young. I was curious about other, um, other potential avenues. And so I, I ended up going back to, um, to grad school, to business school back in Boston, uh, picked up an MBA. And, and while I was, was in school, my second year, I interned with um, Saucony, which um, it was, it was certain, nothing that I necessarily planned on or prepped for. Um, but, but once I started working in, in the sporting goods business, um, it was a really, really strong fit for me. And I think that some of that's attributable to, again, my background being around small groups, competitive groups, um, the environment that, that I've worked in for the past, gosh, 15, 16 years now is probably as close as, close as you can get uh, in the business world to, to being on a super competitive sports team. Uh, we work in small groups. Uh, it's a very seasonal business. It's an incredibly competitive business. It's a mature business. So it's a bunch of uh, brands that are scrapping for market share. Um, so I think from an environmental, environmental perspective, once I, I landed, um, it, it, you know, in at Saucony, in that, that business uh, kind of environment, even though it's something that I hadn't necessarily um, expected, it was I felt very, very quickly that it was a really strong fit. And so I, I, I've had the fortune to work for three really good brands uh, over the course of the last 15 years, um, worked with some amazing people, been fortunate to have some amazing mentors, um, been able to wait, work my way up the ladder, um, I guess you could say a little bit and, and live in a couple of amazing cities uh, in the US, moved out to Santa Barbara, Boston obviously, but moved out to Santa Barbara um, for three years. And now, now fam family's back in Denver working for VF and ultra. So, um, that's kind of a, qu a quick about me. Um, that's so, probably generally what I'd say. I don't know if that's too long. No, that's plenty. Uh, so tell me, I, I, you know, you, you brought up ultra in your current position. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So I'm the senior uh, director of global product at ultra, um, which means, uh, I'm in charge of, of three functions basically. Um, for, for the brand, it's design. Um, so we're, we're in charge of designing the shoes, uh, developing the shoes, uh, some of which happens here in Denver, um, but also a big chunk over in Asia, and then merchandising. So th those three functions kind of tie up to my role. Uh, I have a team of 12 uh, right now, so about the same size as a basketball team. Um, and, and again, just, just fortunate. We've got a great team. Uh, relatively young team, but um, I've been really happy with some of the things that we've been able to to achieve together over the course of the last year and a half. Sure. Well, and uh, kind of regarding uh, your background and in working for Saucony and then working for Hoka One One, which the fact that I can actually get that correct is pretty amazing, I suppose. That is impressive. <laughs> Thanks. Um, you are a runner. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, but, uh, you know, how is ultra different than those two other companies? Yeah, it, that's a really good question. I, I think, um, 
some of the differences, I, I guess one would be that it's a, right now it's a smaller brand than either of those other two, um, but it's part of a much larger company. Um, you know, VF is a, is a massive company from a, from a top line, from a, um, you know, market, market share and from a personnel standpoint, about 60,000 people work for VF globally. Um, so, so it's a nice situation in that we're an up and coming brand. We're still, we still struggle a bit with brand awareness, although we're getting better there. Um, and as more people find out about us and our products, we typically get a really strong response and we typically get a high rate of, of customers coming back and, and looking for our shoes um, because of some of the benefits they offer. But it's a nice situation because VF, um, a lot of resources and, and they're very excited about us. So we feel like, the combination of, of being small and relatively nimble and having a differentiated point of view in the marketplace and then having uh, the support of a, of a massive company like VF is a nice nice combination. So um, the other brands, Saucony and Hoka, they're both in good spots with good ownership as well. Uh, but I would say that sort of the, the dynamic between Ultra um, just kind of getting started and what, where, what VF can, can do for the company and, and how, the ways that it can support the brand um, it, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. And you're in a good place as far as the running, uh, market is concerned with, uh, Colorado. I know, uh, it's a great running community. I do know that from living there for four years. Um, and I mean, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, kind of dial into the, the local scene? I mean, do you guys do a lot of marketing there in the Denver Metro or, I mean, how, what's your, uh, stance on the marketing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. You know, I think COVID's um, unfortunately put, put the kibosh on some of the, the, the local activations that, it, that typically ultra would do. Um, you know, we're very much a, a brand where you, we want people to experience the product. We typically win when we get people into our shoes. So we do, we do a lot of local outreach uh, outreach. Some of that's through, um, you know, retailer, a small retailer, like a runner's roost, uh, or a larger retailer like an REI. And certainly, you know, Denver is one of the very, the, um, the markets that are very key for the brand. The last year has been tough with COVID. We, we just haven't been able to do much um, of that. But certainly um, when we think about, you know, what, what we want to try to do, we're definitely thinking in terms of um, key trail markets on the West Coast of the United States. That's a big focus for us, Seattle, San Francisco, uh, Denver, Boise, uh, those are places where the brand's known and where it's understood. Then we're also looking at, as we, we, we try to go from west to east, um, trail markets where the running road market is significant as well. Um, because for the brand to succeed, we need to be successful on the trail and the road. It's a big emphasis right now for us. Uh, so we're looking at markets across the country where there's a trail running community, um, but there's also where road running running is highly relevant as well. Um, so that's a little bit of how we're thinking about some of the some of the challenges of building awareness and um, building share in different markets in the U.S. Anyway, right. And and you know uh, when as someone who's taught sport management for many years, and uh, obviously the the uh, sport marketing industry has grown so much. And uh, whether that's uh, being something where you're utilizing uh, or trying to market a product, a service, uh, even an intangible uh, product, um, such as an event, 
Um, I mean, obviously, uh, with your background educationally in marketing and also your experience, I'm sure that it, uh, the challenge of uh, kind of, would you, would you say that Ultra is kind of just a small, it's not a small startup, but what would you call it comparison to the other companies? Yeah, it's, I guess it's in, in some ways, um, yeah, early, early to mid stage brand, right, that has the support of uh, a much more established company now. I'd say we've we've sort of moved moved past the startup phase. We're about eleven years old now. Um, sorry, that's yeah, okay. Hey, it's hard to. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, uh, uh, we're, we're speaking with Andrew Conley, and we're also uh, hearing from his daughter. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. I, in this day and age, I love this kind of. Uh, organic experience. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've moved out of the the startup phase. I think our our product lines matured very quickly. And and I think now the challenge is to build, you know, build systems and practices and behaviors around that. Um, Um, You know, you talked a little earlier about uh, you getting your start in sports, really, you know, uh, being outside all the time and, and your dad being a heavily heavy influence in that, but how did you get your start in sports? Um, when I was a, a young kid, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, my dad grew up just north of Boston, uh, town called kind of the Medford Malden area, and you know his his dad was a pretty good baseball player, and I, I think in those days it was just like the only thing to do, right? Like there there just weren't as many entertainment options. Um, you know, for those guys growing up. And so, you know, sports, sports was everything to my dad. And I think, you know, when he was thinking about, you know, how, he, how he'd spend his time raising us, that was just what he felt comfortable with. And so, you know, from a young age, he was taking us to the baseball diamond, soccer field, basketball court, tennis court. He's, he's an avid tennis player. Um, you know, there, there wasn't a sport that we didn't try growing up. Um, and I think in those days, it was a little bit more about, um, you know, playing whatever sport was in season, and playing a lot of sports. It was less about focusing on one or two sports, maybe like it is today. Right. So, um, so we got, we got just um, exposed to a lot of sports at a very young age from, particip- from a participation standpoint in small groups, um, you know, that my dad would lead or that, um, you know, a bunch of dads in the neighborhood would get the kids together and go to the ballpark. And that's how we learned, I think, um, you know, some of the fundamentals around sportsmanship and competition and just appreciation for, for the fun and, and everything that, that sports can offer. And then very quickly after that, you know, we were in youth leagues uh, where either my dad was coaching or the assistant coach in soccer and baseball and basketball. Um, didn't try football growing up, although that, you know, that was something uh, I probably considered at some point, but football, baseball, basketball, uh, soccer, th- those were the four uh, sports that were probably, you know, that dominated um, at least where I grew up in, and, uh, you know, that's how you made your friends. That's how you, you sort of started to find a little bit about who you were and your identity from a very young age. So all those things were, were super helpful to me um, in kind of building an identity through sports and, and giving me confidence, I think, to, to um, pursue academic goals, pursue athletic goals and make friends and just be comfortable, relatively comfortable, I would say, um, you know, with who I was growing up. Now, would you say that, you know, one question I ask for all uh, 
my uh, guess is who held has held the ladder for you. Um, I, I would assume that your dad would be probably the first ladder holder, of course, your mom too. But, um, you know, when it comes to sport and really climbing the ladder, I mean, do you think that the uh, early experiences you had uh, had a huge impact on kind of where you are today? Yeah, I, th I think they did, um, you know, in, in different ways and, and maybe even some unexpected ways. Um, I would say my parents, obviously, but there was another guy, um, our junior high school basketball coach was a guy named Jay Sweeney. And um, Jay had grown up uh, actually the same time my dad did in, in Malden, Massachusetts. And at the time um, was the had been the varsity basketball coach there uh, for a number of years, had won a couple of greater Boston league championships. And then he, I forget for what reason, but he'd uh, retired and decided to coach um, his son, Mike, Mike's team. And I was going to, to school with his son, Mike. And so Jay Sweeney was um, kind of our group's coach for, for the sixth, seventh and eighth grade years. And he was an amazing coach. And he, um, he really taught us, um, you know, he taught us how to be, how to be competitive. He taught us how to be tough. He taught us how to play as a team. And he taught us kind of the values around all those things. And, um, you know, I mentioned my group, by the time we were seniors, we, we won the state championship. We would never have, have become what we were without those, those three years, uh, in junior high school with Jay. Um, so he, he's someone I always think back to and, you know, when we, I, I still have friends from that team and that school and we'll talk about Jay. We didn't always agree with his methods at the time. He, he treated us like we were a little bit older than we were. And he would have some of his former high school players, you know, come down and just kind of, you know, put us through the ringer and beat up on us a little bit um, during the season, but also in the summer. And he really took an interest in us, our group from a young age and made a big, big difference. Um, so I have amazing memories from, you know, college basketball, high school basketball, but even, even those junior high years um, are really positive memories to, to think back on it. And I think they sort of set the table for what, what our group was able to achieve in high school, which led to college. So it's, I think he's someone who, who definitely um, held the ladder uh, for, for myself, but also just, you know, a bunch of our friends um, growing up. Now, did you, uh, in your, in your climb up uh, the ladder in the uh, running shoe industry, I mean, did you have mentors that were very influential and in holding the ladder for you to climb? Yeah, I, I did. And I, I was fortunate um, that I did because I, I, I don't think it's as, as frequent um, or I, sh I shouldn't say maybe as frequent, but I, I don't think it's um, a guarantee that, um, you know, in your career or at, you know, in a given role or job that you're going to find that. Um, but I, I was fortunate in my, my first role at Saucony, um, the guy who hired me, his name's Todd Dalhauser. He was from Northern New Jersey. We we're similar in the sense that we'd, we'd both, you know, been kind of sports crazy kids growing up. Todd played uh, division three soccer in New Jersey. Um, and we had different personalities and, and we butted heads a little bit when I first started, but he was, he was out of that mold where, um, you know, he's, he's very much a coach and he also took an interest in me. And so we had some, uh, an adjustment period, I'd say, but then we ended up you know, getting along very well. And I think even though we were different, our, 
our personalities in, in the business world complemented each other very well. So that was helpful for me because I was looking for a way into this industry. I didn't know too much about it. Um, and it was a stroke of luck to work for, to, to work for Todd in my, for my first role. Cause it, it, it made up for some time that I'd maybe lost where I was trying a few different things or didn't know quite what I wanted to do. Um, and he's been an advocate for me for my entire career. And actually now, um, he's the president. He became the president of ultra about two years ago and hired me into, into my current role. Um, so just a, a really fortunate relationship, um, you know, that I sort of fell into. Um, so he, he'd be one, but, um, I've been fortunate to be surrounded by, you know, by and large, really strong mentors and leaders, um, at my, th my three stops. I think maybe I've sought them out and I've sort of gravitated to those people a little bit, which has helped, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but I think it's really important. And I, you know, I'll share, I share that with, with members of my own team now to find a mentor, uh, or to have a relationship, you know, with your, your manager, your boss, that's comfortable for you. And that, you know, you feel like someone's looking out for you and, um, you know, not just, not just kind of going through the motions. Other, otherwise work can become, you know, something different and maybe not have, you know, the meaning, um, you know, that it, that it should have or that it could have. And, and I, I've been very fortunate, I think, in that, that way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about networking a little bit uh, in a minute. Um, I, I, one of the questions I did, have, because I'm very interested in your, your thoughts on that. Uh, but what, what are some of the biggest challenges you face day to day in your, in your position? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I, I think, um, you know, the ability to step into to each conversation in a, you know, in a, in a healthy way and in a calm way. Um, you know, I go from meeting to meeting, um, to meeting pretty much every day. And it's, it's a challenge to prepare, to come in prepared to each conversation and to have something thoughtful to say. Um, but I would say it, it's probably more challenging, you know, just to sort of regulate yourself, clear your mind, um, let others speak first. It, it makes sure you're, you're contributing in a constructive, thought, thoughtful way to each and every conversation. Um, may, that may sound, you know, sort of trite or simple. It may just sound like, gosh, you got to show up and, and not be, um, you know, and be a good person. But it's it's true when you go from from meeting to meeting and you have to reset around a range of topics day in and day out. Um, to, you know, just just approaching the conversation in a, in a healthy way. Um, is really important, each and every one. And I would say the second thing um, is just the, you know, knowing um, knowing that each individual on your team is a little bit different. Uh, they respond to different incentives. They respond differently to praise and criticism. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think, I think you know, coming from a sports background, you've got to be a little bit careful because there are ways that um, you know I was talked to. You, you witnessed some of probably some of these times at Williams, um, you know, by, by coach Sheehy uh, and, and in AAU ways that I was talked to, my teammates were talked to that was intended to motivate us, uh, make us better. Uh, that doesn't fly at all, you know, in the business world. Um, you, you've got to find different ways to motivate adults um, 
than the way that you were motivated when you were an athlete and a you know young person and a kid. So I think you've got to be careful in some respects with the parallels that you draw from sports to the business world in that way, especially now um, where you know my employees they have a lot of options. They don't have to work for Ultra. Um, they could go work for a number of brands. Um, so you, you've got to be considerate of their needs. Um, you've got to be considerate of their mental health and make sure that they're they're in a good mind space um, each and every day. And you've got to have a sense for when they're a little bit down or when they need a little bit of a pick me up. Um, but in general, you know, positive reinforcement, um, you know, being positive and making sure that your team it knows that you believe in them to do the work. Uh, and making things easy for them to do the work, that's really, really important. And it's not, it's not easy. It takes a lot of um, consideration, preparation, forethought, uh, and sort of looking out for, for the people that are actually doing the work. You know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily doing the work anymore. I'm just trying to set the, set the stage so that, that the people that are on my team can, can use their talents to the best of their ability and, and you know, as efficiently as possible. So um, there's a lot of a lot of of challenge with with that piece, but it's fun. You know, that's that's kind of the challenge, and it's a fun one. Yeah. Well, and regarding uh, obviously, you brought up several things that were kind of skill related uh, pertaining to your job and the challenges and how you face the challenges each day. I mean, what what are skills like? Uh, not just skills for someone who wants to go into the the running shoe or athletic shoe or sport equipment industry or any sport industry, what, what are some of the skills that you consider to be essential for success in sport? Yeah. Yes. I would say, you know, there's a bunch. I, I would say, you know, having a competitive um, disposition is helpful. Um, absolutely. You know, the, the, one of the things that I love about our industry is, is, is it is seasonal. You know, we're working on multiple product lines at the same time, spring, fall, um, you know, on it goes, right? It, it's, it's a, it, it never ends. And, and we go from season to season and, you know, and like we did um, at Williams, you always want to improve from season to season. Um, so having a, com a competitive disposition and a, a willingness to, um, you know, to be a little bit self-critical, um, and always, always want to get better and always want to sort of perfect the process or the product. Having that mental mentality is really helpful. I think, um, you know, being a good teammate is, is really critical as well. You know, we work in, you know, small tight project teams. As I mentioned, I have a team of 12, um, and then when we break up the, you know, the different development projects around shoes, you're working on a team with three or four, um, intensely, you know, almost every day you're traveling to Asia with them. Sometimes you're, you know, traveling to Europe. It's a very in, intense industry in that regard where it's not like it's, you know, nine to five every day, everyone goes home and that's it. It really sort of brings people together. So to be able to sort of exist in that environment, be a good teammate, be thoughtful, um, be someone that your teammates can trust with information. Um, that all those things, if, if you can do that, all those things are going to make you a good teammate. They're going to make you, um, I think, set you up for success in, in the industry that I work in. Um, 
you know, flexibility because you're working on a number of different seasons and projects at the same time. Those are key. Uh, those are some of the more obvious ones. Maybe a less obvious one is, is the ability to, um, to recharge and to not, not get burned out and to know, to be self-aware enough to know what you need to do to make sure that, um, you know, you're feeling fresh coming into work every day or, um, you know, taking, taking care of your, your brain and your body in such a way where you, you feel like um, you're kind of on your game. Yeah, the wholesale world, um, retail world that we, we sort of straddle those, those two worlds, I guess. Um, and now with digital becoming such a force, it's, it's, you're, you can be always on. You could work 24 hours a day if you wanted to. Um, the ability to manage your time and know when you need to step away and recharge, go for a run, just just check out for a day, whatever you need to do. I think I, I try to give my team flexibility and empower them to do that because otherwise it, it can, it's a, the industry is a lot of fun, um, but you've got to be a little bit careful about burnout sometimes. Yeah, well, and I, I, I think especially in this day of the, our COVID-19 era, um, I know for me, uh, as an online co uh, college professor, uh, I'm indoors a lot uh, on a computer, uh, just like we are today. And uh, for me, getting out and running is my self-care. It's my yeah. opportunity to get out and listen to a podcast, uh, uh, listen to some music, really just kind of clear my mind. And, and I can come back and, you know, the, the challenges will be there when I get back. But during that time, I, I think it's because I, I've gone through burnout uh, as a coach many uh, years ago. And I think that when you don't take care of yourself, typically something will happen. And uh, I think that's a, a very good skill to have. And I'm glad you brought that up uh, in our conversation today. Um, yeah. A question I have, uh, kind of go back a little bit to your boss there at Ultra, who you met at Saucony. Um, obviously, that that kind of it might answer a little bit of this question of how important networking is in your field. Um, but how do you approach networking? Do you, I mean, what what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I, I would say in in some ways I'm not a natural uh, networker. Um, you know, I, I tend to, I, I guess, rely more on you know, the personal relationships that I've developed along the way. And, and I try to hold on to those and I, I try to, to cultivate that, them and, and nurture them. I'm not, I'm not great. And I've never been probably great at, at, at just getting out there and putting myself out there. Uh, it's, it's just always been hard for me um, for whatever reason. Uh, without without context to to really put myself out there in in a career in a way to sort of try to advance my career, um, so I think to to make up for that, I'm trying to be fairly intentional about the relationships that I do have, um, you know, in this field in particular, and um, you know when I'm at a brand or when I've been at a brand, I think I've made really you know, strong connections with a number of people there. And I, I'm careful about if I'm leaving, make sure I leave on a good note. And, and I make sure that I keep in touch with those people. Um, you know, in, in this industry, running footwear industry in particular, like a lot of industries probably, 
can seem like a small world. Um, you never know where where someone's going to land or end up or what what role they're going to move into. Um, so so I, I make sure that I keep in touch or, or I try to keep in touch as much as possible. Um, and I enjoy the relationships, right? So I'm, I'm doing it kind of for, for that reason, but it's also helpful because inevitably, you know, folks I worked with at Saucony, when I moved over to Hoka, some of them were still there, but then a number of them left, uh, like, like Todd, for example, um, goes to Ultra and then facilitates, you know, the next opportunity for me when I was at Hoka. Um, obviously didn't see that coming, but, um, you know, may not have happened unless, unless those were those relationships that I, um, you know, kept tabs on, sort of speak. And I think I've been okay at doing that. Um, at, at Saucony, I was there for, um, gosh, eight years. So I still have great, great relationships with, with people there or people who now have moved on to other places from there. And the same at Hoka, uh, very fortunate to work with, with some fantastic people at Hoka. Uh, you know, Gretchen Weimer, who'd been at New Balance for a number of years, Wendy Yang, uh, also, um, you know, New Balance and, and some other places, Lee Cox. So again, just fortunate to, I think the key thing for me is to recognize, um, you know, that, you know, you have an opportunity to build a relationship on a personal level that's, that's gratifying and, and that's awesome. So keep doing that. I'd be genuine about it. Um, when you move on to someplace, don't forget about the people that you just left because you may see them again. And then um, I think maybe my network maybe is a little bit smaller than, than some, but I, but I feel like it's, it's really rich in, in, in that respect. Yeah. Well, and you, you brought up some really good points, uh, Andrew, and it's, it's the word genuine and relationship. You know, a lot of people in this industry, in the sport industry, no matter what uh, what segment of the sport industry, a lot of times uh, think that, you know, making a connection with someone via email or having one conversation is, is tantamount to asking them for a reference, <laughs> to be a reference for a job. And ultimately, it comes right down to developing relationships like you did uh, with your mentor there that's, uh, that you've more or less, you know, been given a chance to come to Ultra. But ultimately, you know, it's one thing to know the right people. It's also another thing to, when you get your foot in the door, to do the job that you were asked to do and do it well. Yeah. Um, now, one question I would have, uh, it's an, a question about advice. You know, you've been doing this for a long time and you've climbed a ladder to a really neat position uh, over a very uh, a very well known company, and I was fortunate to go and uh, dig in a little bit and see some of your product line and and uh, really interesting shoes. I, I'd like to you know maybe uh, take a look at a pair. But one of the things that uh, regarding this one piece of advice that you would give to someone who's starting a career in sports, somebody who's just kind of like I I really don't know what I want to do, but um, I really want to get in the, into the sports industry. What's some advice, one piece of advice you'd offer? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good um, question. I, I think it would it sort of depend on what stage they were at. Um, you know, if it's, if it's a, if it's a younger person, you know, high school, college age, I think, um, you know, getting some, some experience working, you know, at, at a local, like in running at a local uh, running store 
that that's excellent experience for um, people in our field. Many of them got their start as young young people. You know, whether it was a gig in high school or working part time in college or after college, at um, some of these really really strong and well run running specialty stores. Um, you know, like Marathon Sports in Boston, Runners Roost in in Denver, and and there you you can learn some of the the tricks of the trade, but you can also start to learn some of the fundamentals of business. Um, and I, I think that kind of real world experience goes a long way in the sports industry. It's not you know it's not like obviously being a doctor, it's not like being a lawyer where you need you know eight years of education or whatever it is. Um, as an apprenticeship, and then you know you get your um, degree stamped, and you're kind of good to go. It's it's very different. Um, it's very sort of situational. Um, yeah, I, it's you know when I got in, in my first job in the industry, I, I had I had just gone to business school, and I so I had you know I guess a, a lot of education in a sense, and there was still so much for me to learn that was industry specific. Um, and it was a long, long, um, and, you know, steep learning curve for those first few years. Um, you know, I, I was getting out with an MBA, but I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to make, and I, nor, nor did I make, um, you know, a salary that was, you know, would be considered an MBA salary. It was very much sort of an apprenticeship for me. Right. And again, I was fortunate because I was, I was in a situation where I had, people around me that supported me and I learned a lot quickly. So I've been able to make up for that since. Um, but, but just, just getting in, I think it, at, at a, you know, ground level of a, a business that in some ways is, is related to sports, whether it's a s- small sports marketing for, firm or run specialty store, gosh, I don't know, working, working the expo at, at the Boston marathon for a company that needs temporary help. Um, I think some of those small steps can actually, um, you know, serve someone really well as far as um, like leading, leading into, into the sports industry, at least, at least for my kind of, for my niche within that, that industry. Well, I would say that when you look at the examples that you provide, which were excellent examples, uh, that's something that can certainly uh, transfer to any uh, sports uh, segment or in the industry. Um, I know uh, something that you may never have known, but you know, when I was at Williams, I was completing a 360-hour uh, internship for my master's degree at the United States Sports Academy, and uh, that that was really the reason why I was there that year. Um, and you know, uh, Dave Caputo was my mentor, uh, assistant football coach there, and um, and you know, to to come there and to have that opportunity to really be part of a program like Williams was, it was a huge uh, thing for me. And uh, it provided me, I mean, that year I had, uh, I interviewed for four head coaching jobs that year from Oregon, uh, you know, at George Fox, I uh, interviewed at Colorado Christian there in uh, Lakewood, Um, you know, uh, you know, so a lot of uh, you guys probably never knew that uh, when you were at Williams, but you know, it, it was one of those things where because I was willing to take that, chance to go work for free i worked for free that year and um to have that opportunity to learn from 
really one of the uh, top division three coaches in, in the history of the game, Harry Sheehy, but also be at, you know, what arguably people would uh, call the Duke of division three was a good thing for me. And I think that, yeah. uh, you know, for you, I think in the same way you talk about your, you know, the advice that you provided there is just excellent advice. I think that you have to be willing to get your hands dirty. You have to be willing to roll your sleeves up and, uh, those are all cliche statements, but the, it's true. You have to be willing to do what other people won't and do it well. Yeah. Yeah, I, totally. And I think in, in the industry I work in, just having a, a sense for, for how everything works from the ground up is invaluable. Um, you know, I don't think you want to come in at a higher level, even if that's possible in, in my industry, because so, so many of the decisions you have to make need to be informed by what's actually going on on the ground and reality on the ground and, and starting on the ground floor. Um, you know, however, however that, whatever, however that looks for someone, uh, I couldn't recommend that, that more. Yeah. And, um, great advice there. Uh, last question here. Um, how do you hold the ladder for others? You know, several folks have held the ladder for you through the years. Uh, uh, maybe how are you doing that now or, you know, how, how do you hold the ladder for others? Yeah, it's a good, it's a, another um, really good question. And I, I think I, to be totally, to be totally honest, I think I probably need to be doing a little bit better job at this. Um, I think over the course of um, my career, I've, as I've, you know, had different roles and, and moved up the ladder a little bit, I've definitely been, um, again, it keeps using the word intentional, but intentional about, um, spending time with, um, you know, more junior people like at Saucony. Um, you know, I, I made a lot of, of, of good connections and relationships with people who I thought, you know, were high potential, um, employees, you know, that were hungry, um, whether they were sales reps in the field, tech reps in the field. Um, and they, they would, I, I guess, seek me out a little bit and ask some questions, um, and maybe look for some advice from time to time. And I will, I will always respond to, um, those types of requests. Um, and it's a point of pride for me because I remember when, you know, I was in their shoes or, you know, even in my twenties when I was really struggling to find a direction professionally, I reached out to, and it was hard for me to do this, as I mentioned, but I did reach out. Um, and it always meant a lot to me when I got a genuine, email back or someone agreed to a phone conversation or they followed up with me. And I remember the, and I remember the few times when it didn't happen too. Um, you know, I remember particularly one guy, um, there was a couple of years older than me at, at Williams and I was excited to talk to him and, you know, we just never, we never connected. Um, and he never necessarily made the time to connect. And I remembered that and I remembered how it felt. So I think that's that's one of the things that I think I'm pretty good at is when someone reaches out to me or wants an opinion or wants some advice, I'll always give it. I'll always make the time. Um, I think it's important that we do that, um, you know, as as human beings, as professionals, as Americans, or however, whatever you want to call it. Make sure that we're not just so excited by where we're at and our own success that we sort of forget that it's a process. Um, so I think I'm, I'm, I, I go out of my way to do that, but I, I probably need to be a little bit more proactive um, in that regard 
and I, I think it's probably a function of, you know, being so busy and, and having a family now where um, maybe I don't reach down as much as I need to, but, but certainly when someone reaches out to me, I, I, um, you know, I make it a point to really try to connect with them as much as possible and well, be with them. Yeah. And I, I think that that, uh, I don't think that there's any, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, well, obviously being mindful of wanting to help others. Uh, but yeah, I also think that it's an organic situation. It's situational, yeah. really. I mean, it, it happens uh, when, you know, I look back on many of the times in my career over the last almost 30 years now uh, from college. And during that time frame, I've really seen people that have been willing to uh, help me climb up that ladder uh be there when it was uh, when I needed it the most. Um, I, I can go back to a great example of uh, uh, the legendary Frank Zoltek. Have to bring him up in this. Yeah, uh, our, our, our legendary assistant coach at Williams, and uh, we were off. Uh, myself and uh, Grant Farmer, another assistant coach and a Williams player from. Uh, actually, uh, Andrew, I believe you were a teammate of his for one year, weren't you? I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. We were left yeah. for one year. Yeah. And, um, Quite a guy. yeah, he was, and is, um, and then, uh, so Grant, myself and coach, she went, uh, to go, uh, scout Wesleyan versus Amherst in Connecticut and, uh, and Candy got in a car accident and, uh, and we, I, this is before I had a cell phone and, yeah. uh, didn't really find out until I got back and all this time, uh, you know, she, she basically totaled our vehicle. We were poor and didn't have much and uh, almost died in the car accident right there between North Adams and Williamstown. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really uh, tough time. Well, coach Z and his wife kind of stepped in when, uh, and, and helped my wife uh, that moment. And then uh, Mike Frawley, uh, Frawley, uh, you know, our, our athletic trainer at Williams. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those guys held the ladder and Coach Z's wife held the ladder for us in a time where I couldn't, you know, do anything uh, as well before I had a cell phone, as I said. So I think yeah. that being, I mean, so, you know, you look back on on those years of, of having been in the industry. And I think that, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I do is I have a, a hold the ladder board and it's a board where if I ever uh, help someone out um, and uh, in this industry or really in anything that I, I'm trying to do to help someone out, I will, uh, it was Candy's idea. She's a smarter of the two doctors, Rice, as I always say, but she, uh, I, I write, I write down the note of, you know, how I held the ladder from, for someone and then I pin it to the board and because I was feeling down about it at one time and she's like, I'm going to get you a board and we're going to see exactly how much of an impact you do make. And then uh, the darn thing filled up in like a month. And yeah. you know, I think so many times we forget that we do have a great impact, even when we don't realize it and that uh, people are watching. And, um, you know, I think that's a, a critical element of holding a ladder because not a lot of times you may not be actually holding a ladder in a physical way, obviously, but you, you may be doing it just by your um, example. And, uh, and I think that that's a critical element uh, because you saw it in your own uh, climb up the ladder from your mentors. 
and uh, I'm sure I have no doubt that that you're doing that right now. So, yeah, thanks. Giving it my best shot. I hope. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Well, yeah. Um, Andrew, thank you so much for being willing to come on uh, the podcast today. And uh, do you have anything that you'd like to leave the audience with as we close? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it's, is, um, I think one of the things that, that I've learned is just um, in, in finding kind of your path and you're, you're right your place where you're, you're fairly comfortable or, um, you know, in, in your role and your job is just thinking, thinking in terms of environmentally, like the types of, of, um, environments you're comfortable in and, you know, less, less in terms of like this job or that job and more in terms of what's the environment going to be like. I wish I'd asked myself, um, that question, I guess a little bit more pointedly when I was, when I was younger, um, because I think it, I would have been able to figure out my path a little bit, a little bit quicker, and maybe um, without so many kind of sidesteps. But I think it's interesting, like you know, when reflecting on on sports um, and what you learn and and how you apply it and how to make sense of it. Just that environment was so um, fun for me, you know, uh, on on the court with my teammates. Um, and really understanding that that I needed something like that you know, in my professional life to feel fulfilled. Um, it took me a while to get there, but I think once it clicked, it, it was, it was obvious. Um, so I think if I have any advice to pass along to, to younger people contemplating, you know, their, their paths or their future or different professions, I would say, think, think a little bit about that. What are you passionate about now, but also what environments are you really comfortable in and what environments bring out the best in you? And then think a little bit about, what professional environments offer a little bit of that. Cause that was, that was kind of the key for me. Excellent. Excellent advice again. And, uh, Andrew, it's seriously been a pleasure to reconnect with you uh, after all these years and, and, uh, so happy for your success. And, um, you know, uh, I, I know that, uh, a lot of uh, people listening are going to gain a lot from this. And um, a quick question, uh, it, are you uh, willing to um, provide an email address or connect with anyone that may be interested in learning more? Sure. Yeah. I'm happy to provide, um, provide an email or connecting if, there, if anyone would like to, to connect or ask uh, some follow-up questions. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Wonderful. I'll go ahead and put that in the uh, show notes and, um, Andrew Conley, thank you so very much. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it was a, a great time to talk with you and to, to get a chance to hear from your daughter. That was awesome as well. Uh, it was awesome just to be able to spend time with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Tim. My first podcast and uh, my daughter Anna's first podcast too. So hopefully we, we did okay. Thanks for listening, and until next week, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible.